This is the Luke Thomas Show podcast. You can listen to the full show weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Today on the Luke Thomas Show podcast, we're going to go over some of the dumbest things you ever heard in terms of sayings inside of MMA. Plus, we'll catch up with former Bellator middleweight champion Gigard Mousasi as he gets ready to maybe reclaim the throne against Douglas Lima on May 9th. And then lastly, we're going to talk about this Israel Adesanya acceptance speech that Ford Award he got in New Zealand. It's unbelievable. Luke Thomas Show, 3 to 6 p.m. weekdays right here. Sirius XM Fight Nation, Channel 156. So this week has been... Cobb, how would you describe this week? I mean, it's probably the biggest referendum on judging that I've ever seen. Is that true? I mean, I feel it's like... Been, it's been... A, here's what I'm saying. It's been a big one. It's been a huge one. Biggest one you've ever seen? I feel like it. Mean, like, we've seen this come up in boxing here and there, but I feel as far as MMA goes, because of how many bad decisions there were that night, I feel like people have been really up in arms this entire week. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you bring that up, actually. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because a lot of people, um, in talking about UFC 247, they have said things like, you know, listen, uh, the judging, okay, man, you know, maybe they, maybe there should have been one scorecard to represent what Dominic had done, and there wasn't, and that's really bad, but, you know, you can't say that the wrong guy won in the sense that you can find, it's not hard to find, okay, I scored it 3-2 for Dominic Reyes. I can understand a scorecard 3-2 for John Jones. The fact that at least two judges did is not some kind of scandalous thing. The 4-2 thing we've been over before, but the fact that he won is it's it's I know it bothers a lot of people and I understand that. I it's, I've never scored a fight uh against John Jones ever. This is the very first time, so I understand that. But what they fail to realize is it's in the shadow of the fact that you had that Andre Ewell decision. You had that weird James Krause scorecard. Again, the fact that he lost is not a scandal, but the fact that he didn't win the first round is like just hard to believe. And that Texas is just, you know, this yeehaw country with bumpkins running the commission that just don't have any remorse for ruining guys' careers. But I think all of that has created this bit of this uh, firestorm, which has produced a couple of interesting things. Namely... Uh, this desire to see like what the rules could be to to innovate, right? What are some changes we could make? Kansas comes out and says we're going to do real time scoring and blah blah blah. They say that the two events are not connected, but okay, coincidence or not, people are talking about it, innovating rules, changing rules. What could be better? What could be different? Another thing that and that's all fine. I actually think all of that is okay. The thing that's driving me absolutely up the wall that I really just it's like, I, I'm actually kind of shocked by it, to be honest, and and it's not just fans sharing it. I don't see a ton of media sharing it. I could be wrong about that. I don't see it, but I see a lot of fighters saying this. Saying things like, well, to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. It's like, dude, how long are we going to keep making up shit that doesn't exist? How long is that going to be a thing? And you wonder, if it's like, if it's this ubiquitous in the community... And even fighters believe it. Are we really sure judges don't? Cobb, how convinced are you that those three judges that night don't, in their heart of hearts, believe that, yeah, you want to beat the champ, you got to beat the champ? By the way, which is an incoherent thing, it doesn't even mean anything, actually. But if it means you have to really go in there and just absolutely beat the champion from pillar to post in order to win, let's assume that that's what it means. Um, in your heart of hearts, and then their heart of hearts, are you 
firmly convinced that none of them believe it. Because I got to tell you, I'm not. That they believe that you have to, that the judges believe you have to beat the champ. Right. Is, is the question is if someone had to ask you, do you believe that at least one of the judges in that fight, in their heart of hearts, knowing full well it's got nothing to do with the unified rules, even the archaic ones that the Texas Commission uses. Do you believe in their heart of hearts there's at least one judge who kind of is like, you know what, you kind of got to beat the champ to be the champ? Because I, I absolutely believe that that is true. Here's the thing. I believe that that's true in the sense that if there's a close round, they might lean champ because he's champ. There's a possibility. Oh I, oh, I see. So they go, instead of Ty goes to the runner, Ty yeah. goes to the uh, Ty goes to the, the champ here. champion there, yeah. Because we know him better, and he's, he's been so dominant in the past. So we'll go, we'll go Jones in this I case. Think you're being, I think you're being way too generous. I, one of the reasons why I think these commission members – and the commissions shield the judges from talking is because it's the same reason you wouldn't let your client testify in court. Because, bitch, we ain't trying to incriminate you on the stand. We are not trying to do that. That is a thing we would like to avoid because under cross-examination, you're going to look really guilty. <laughs> I tend to think that that belief is way more out there than we – we can't imagine that that would be true because that would be such an indictment. Uh, I think these commissions know that, uh, not in every case, but in more cases than they're willing to admit. And I bet you, especially in some of these, I mean, Texas is not a podunk state. It's a big state with a lot of big um, cities and a lot of successful uh, clued-in martial arts fans and and other interested members of the MMA community. But they've, I think they've got some podunk judges, to be quite honest with you. And I bet, I bet uh, there are some people on that roster who kind of believe, eh, a little bit, you got to beat the chips. We're asking, what is some of the dumbest things you ever heard in terms of MMA sayings? If not this week, then ever. You can call in 877-FIGHT-93. For me, it has been this week. You got to beat the champ to be the champ. What for? I mean, I saw another one where um, John Cavanaugh was saying he thinks, and it's just his opinion, but that like the later rounds in a fight should count more. Well, should baskets in a buzzer-beating contest between two teams, the Lakers and the Celtics, should baskets that are scored late count more? No. The way in which it should be counted is just like every other uh, basket, or the way one round is counted should be counted just like every other. If you want to ascribe more athletic um, excellence to having to rally or perform well late, I would be in total agreement. I actually personally feel like it's harder to start um, to to finish strong than start than start early, and the way in which Jones finished strong and was more capable in the championship rounds speaks to the kind of competitor that he is. Spoke to Re- Reyes's relative uh, lack of experience in that regard, and yeah, man, putting it on somebody late, especially if you have to rally from a deficit, it's impressive. It's impressive. But the rounds, a, they don't count differently. B, nor should they. I think that's silly. Why should they count differently? Um, that, I just don't understand that at all. I know, I, again, if people are just expressing their opinions about what should be in an ideal world, that's fine. I understand. But to me, uh, I don't know what the basis of that could possibly be. Other than, yes, I find that to be impressive, but that would radically alter fight strategies. If you, if you consecrated that into the rules, it would radically alter fight strategies, and you wouldn't get the same kind of responses to these incentives that you think you would. It would it would make fights bad. Where people might like they'll do what the ties do, which is for two, maybe two and a half rounds, they don't fight a whole lot, then they kind of fight at the last second. Who the hell wants to see that? And by the way, when they're not fighting in the first and second round, 
a heavy part of that is because there's betting going on to see what happens. No, no thanks. No thanks. Every round should count the same, and I'm glad that they do. But I am shocked at the pervasiveness at how many people believe you got to beat the champ to be the champ, that you have to go in there and just absolutely bludgeon the person who was the champ walking in. Folks, here is how it works, including in Texas, in every state. This is why they, they should give you a new belt every time you win. Because if you're the champion and I'm the challenger and we walk into the cage, once both of us cross into that cage, you are no longer the champion. There is none. We are now both vying for the top spot. We call that person the champion because they were wearing the belt, because it signifies a title, because it's sort of easier to think of it in that way. But ultimately, that's not what's happening. Your chance at winning is equal to mine. And that is how it should be. This idea that you get to keep the belt by virtue of inertia is demented. You mean to tell me I can go out there and, and let's say the third round wasn't close, uh, or at least at close enough where you could score it for Jones. Still kind of close, but you're like, eh, that's a Reyes round. So then he wins three rounds to two. Still went five rounds, and Reyes still gets his ass kicked in rounds four and five. People are still going to say you got to go in there and beat the champ to beat the champ? How did this diseased idea get spread? I just don't understand. I don't understand how people who especially the ones who have competed, can think that's a real thing. A, there's literally no basis for it in the rules. And B, if there was, it'd be a really bad rule, man. It'd be a really bad rule. Guys would be able to hold on to their titles and ladies with technically, potentially, a lot less effort. If you were the champion and you knew that they had to really stick it to you to win, and as long as you kept it close, it was probably yours. Dude, think about how bad the fights would be. And think about how lack of the turnover of titles to deserving contenders would make the sport bad. Even if you realize that it's not in the rules, why on earth would you give that idea any oxygen? It's a terrible rule. It's a terrible rule. Not a rule, excuse me. Terrible idea. It's not a rule. It's a terrible idea. Here I am confusing it because people repeat it so often. It drives me nuts, man. It's one of the dumbest things you see get circulated in any time there's a close fight where uh, typically where the champion gets the nod. um, And you see it from people you don't expect. I think you should go in there and beat the champ to beat the champ. Yeah, it'd be nice if there was a real clean takeover where the upstart challenger goes in there and knocks up the tra- like 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 what Adesanya did to Whitaker. There's just no argument about it. Right? F- okay, fine. I prefer those scenarios too. It's just not realistic. You're talking about elite fighters where the slightest degree of difference can sometimes separate them. Can you imagine in a race where it's like, well, you beat Usain Bolt by 0.01 seconds, but that's not really enough to win the race. You got to really beat Usain Bolt to be the fastest man on earth. So he technically wins. The fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Who was ahead? Who wasn't? It could be a very small difference. That's why you need capable people evaluating it so that they can get closer to understanding um, who has done that. I, I just cannot believe that we are still in 2020 and you've got people out here circulating this demented idea it is bad for everything 
It's it's not a rule, and if it was, it'd be one of the worst rules you could ever have. I hate everything about it. <laughs> no moss to the, you got to beat the champ to be the champ. Terrible, terrible idea. One of the dumbest. Sirius XM Fight Nation celebrates Black History Month every weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern on the Ock and Barack Show. All month long, the show reflects on the life and legacy of different influential African-American athletes. Such icons as Muhammad Ali. I'm the king of the world. Kobe Bryant. You guys will always be in my heart. I love you guys. Jackie Robinson. Robinson dashes to the plate. Safe. And more will be recognized for the impact they made both in and out of sports. The Yak and Barack Show, weekdays noon till 3 Eastern, only on Sirius XM Fight Nation. Well, he was once the Bellator middleweight champion, and he might be again, because on May 9th at the SAP Center in San Jose, California, he will take on current Bellator welterweight champ and a bit of a super fight. Uh, that's Douglas Lima. But our guest, of course, is the one and only Gegard Musasi. Mr. Musasi, how are you, sir? I'm good, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're happy to have you back. How have you been since your last fight? What have you been up to? You've been you've been very quiet these days. Well, uh, I was getting a new contract. I wanted to fight as soon as possible. Actually, there was a January scheduled fight in California, uh, but uh, yeah, Lovato got didn't get pro- approved. So that's the yeah. That's why it took a little bit longer, I believe. I see. So you weren't vacationing. You were just waiting to get the rematch that ultimately fizzled out. Yeah, yeah. I was. I, I went back in training right after the Machida fight. I thought, okay, yeah, I'm going to be fighting soon again. But uh, that fell out, so I got chubby. And uh, now we have to start all over again. How heavy? What was the heaviest you got? Uh, heavy. I'm 98 kilo. How much is that? Let's 98 kilo, uh, kilograms to pounds would be... Uh, 216 pounds. It's not that big. No, it's not that bad. Yeah. All right. Very good. Well, we're happy to have you back. So let's talk about Mr. Lovato. I'm sure you have heard he has basically uh, had to give up MMA, if not forever, certainly for the time being, uh, which includes his middleweight title. What, what did you make of him and his medical condition? Uh, you know, I felt like... I wanted to get that rematch. Uh, now that's out of the picture. Um, so, you know, what can I say? I wish him, uh, I, I don't wish any harm to the guy. So, uh, uh, I mean, I'm not going to fight him any soon. Uh, I wish him well. And, uh, yeah, I feel bad for you. Um, you know, as a competitor, you you always want to compete. Even when the doctors say you're, you're not healthy, you still want to try to find a way to still fight. I think, He's doing that, so I understand him that he still wants to compete. But uh, you know, uh, I don't know if he's going to get approved again or no. You know. To, to what extent during the course of your career have you had brain scans? Well, I, I did uh, many times MRI and MRE, uh, both different. Uh, I did that last year, both, and uh, everything was fine. So. Um, because I always fought uh, in California, New York, and uh, you have to do that every two years, sometimes every five years. It depends if you get knocked out or not or something, uh, how you lose. It depends on the commission. But uh, I always had to do those. So uh, it's funny that I heard that he only had to do for his 
uh, last fight he had to do that. Uh, before that, he never done any MRI scans. Yeah, well, I guess if you're fighting in Oklahoma, you know, they just don't care. Yeah. Well, the the commission is not that strong. There, there's probably some commission, but uh, you know, different commission, different testing, different uh, medical uh, what they need from you. So. Yeah. Do you ever worry about brain health? Yeah, of course, of course. But uh, so far, I haven't been damaged a lot in the fights. I haven't taken any damage in the fight. In training, I'm not. We're training very careful. We never hit each other uh, full power uh, in, on the head. But, uh, yeah, you know, of course, everyone uh, worries about their health. As, uh, as more as you get older, that uh, that increases. Now, in terms of uh, Lovato and this title, um, you know, you're going to be fighting Douglas Lima May 9th, so the opportunity to get it back is right in front of you. Uh, but if I had to ask you what was more important, beating him in a rematch or getting the title, what would you say? I would have liked the rematch, to be honest. Why? Because uh, I felt like I didn't perform. I didn't give 100%. And I was more disappointed in myself, to be honest, because there were nights that I was like thinking, what the fuck was I doing in that fight? I was just, <laughs> you know, sleeping. Uh, yeah, I couldn't believe what I, uh, what I did in that fight. Uh, so I felt like, okay, I haven't shown myself. I wanted to get that one back. You know, if you hear, like, for example, if you hear Tyron Woodley talk about losing to Kamaru Usman, he says he can watch the fi the footage and he, like, barely recognizes himself. Like, he was just kind of out of it. Did you have one of those moments in that fight? Or was it maybe you just didn't take him as seriously as you should have? Or how do you explain why you underperformed relative to your own expectations? No, no, I didn't underestimate him. Uh, I wanted to win that fight bad because it was in the uh, UK. Uh, my, my friends were coming there, but I felt like uh, maybe overtrained. Uh, Eleven weeks uh, in training camp, I felt like I gave too much in the training camp. Uh, when I was in the fight, there was no hunger. Uh, one for, fight before that, I was talking about rat retirement and uh, how I didn't like fighting and all that crap. And I think uh, it showed in the fight. So, uh, you know, I felt like no motivation, to be honest. I have to say he did he did come out in the fifth round and he took the fight. So I can't say uh, he didn't deserve it in some extent. But uh, I didn't perform 100%, I felt. So I felt like uh, I needed to, to get the rematch to show everyone that uh, I could beat him. Do you feel... Uh, I mean, you wanted to get back out there after the Machida fight, but I'm wondering if the relative amount of time off has refreshed you a little bit. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> I, not really. I, I was I was in shape. Now I have to get back in shape. You know, uh, uh, but yeah, I, I prefer to fight back to back. You know, that's much easier for me. I stay in shape. I fight every two months. Uh, that would have been uh, more ideal. But you're not, I mean, are you still flirting with retirement? No, no, no. Uh, I, I understood that's a bad mentality to have. Uh, I, you know, I just signed a new contract. I'm going to fight uh, for Peloton Championship and uh, maybe Bader next. Uh, I have to go first uh, uh, beat Douglas Lima, and after that, you know, 
you know, some accomplishment before I retire, maybe a lightweight title, maybe, you know, uh, fighting Ryzen, I don't know, but, you know, things uh, to leave some history behind, let's say. All right, fair enough. Gegard Mousasi joins us here on the Luke Thomas Show. So let's talk about Douglas Lima. Um, size him up as an opponent for me. What kind of particular challenges does he pose? Well, he, he was at the, at the gym uh, in Holland. He came, he trained. Uh, we even trained together. Uh, yeah, I, it was, I was uh, bigger, but I wouldn't say a lot bigger. Uh, he wasn't in shape. So and he didn't show everything he got. So maybe uh, I was trying to do my best. <laughs> so uh, yeah, good stand-up uh, championship mentality. He's coming off a couple wins, so he feels confident. Uh, yeah. So he's taking on a challenge. I think a big challenge because uh, he's coming up a weight division. And um, so yeah, a tough opponent. Tough opponent for sure. You know, how how would he, in your mind how would he differ from Rory McDonald, right? Because they're both going to have a weight disadvantage. Okay, fine, but in terms of the particular kind of skills they employ, how are they different? Different. He's not going to look to to take me down. Um, uh, he's going to fight me stand up. But I have a lot of uh, advantages. I've, uh, I'm taller. I have better reach. I'm going to be a little bit bigger. Uh, I feel like I'm more technical. I have I keep the distance much better. So if if stand up is his strength, I feel like he's in trouble. You know. Fair enough. Uh, and by the way, when you went up against Rory, were you surprised at how? I mean, if you ask fighters, are you surprised you won? They're never going to say yes. So that's not what I'm asking. But I guess what I am asking is, it was like. It looked like when you guys were on the ground, he just was totally overwhelmed physically. I'm, I'm assuming that you knew you were going to go in there with a strength and size advantage. Was it even more pronounced than you thought it was going to be? Well, it's all also about the matchups, you know. Uh, sometimes I'm going to try to take a guy down. Uh, sometimes I'm on top. Sometimes I'm uh, on the bottom. Sometimes the jiu-jitsu guys are more careful. It's some. It's mentality with me. Sometimes I give a guy too much credit, and I I fight lazy. I I don't take any chances, and I'm like, okay, I'm on the ground. I'm gonna stay here. Who cares? Nothing's gonna happen. And then uh, I get lazy in the fight, you know. Uh, with Rory, was different. Uh, I had the reach advantage. I had the speed advantage, and then uh, I was hurting him in the stand up, so he had to take me down, and that failed. And then uh, I was able to capitalize on that. Okay, fair enough. Um, by the way, have you talked with Bellator about like, hey, if this goes well, you know, I'm looking to give Ryan Bader some problems? 100%. I think uh, now two welterweights come up. <laughs> the kind of people say he's beating welterweights. So <laughs> uh, I think a big name to beat. But I have to go first to Douglas Lima. I'm not. I'm not thinking, okay, uh, Douglas Lima, I'm going to beat him. Uh, but uh, if I succeed in that, uh, you know, light heavyweight is, is, is the biggest name now out there. And uh, that's just for the accomplishment, you know. Yeah, so are you looking to be um, – obviously, again, Douglas Lima is no pushover, so you got your hands full on May 9th. Yeah. But is, you talked about leaving a legacy with some of your Bellator accomplishments. Is, get, is being a champ champ in Bellator part of it? 
Yeah, just only for one fight. After that, I'm going to relinquish the title because I can't be uh, defending light heavyweight and I love the weight, uh, middleweight. It's just one-time deal, you know? Yeah. I, do you like – I mean, you, do you like the Champ Champ era that we're in? You've seen a lot of MMA change, and every organization yeah. seems to be doing it now. Do you like it or not? Really, I, you know, to be honest, I'm, I don't care that much about it, but uh, I think it's a fight that's going to – gonna put me back on top again you know uh if i obeyed, uh beating a guy like beta that's you know that's a big thing and uh yeah that, that would be yeah i don't know who else is there in middleweight you know there's not a lot of big names but uh i'm also happy to stay at middleweight you know i don't care to be honest but uh yeah i think uh Bellato also wants to have that fight so i'm open for it and you mentioned Ryzen as well. Now, that seems to be a much more easy-to-do thing. Um, obviously, getting back out there in Japan and competing there. How much of a priority is that? Well, I had the New Year show uh, last year uh, that was very successful. So, I have a history in Japan. So, I hope to fight this one maybe sometime uh, middle of the year and then end of the year to finish it in Japan like uh, I fought a lot of New Year's Eve shows so I think that would be nice to finish that up all right very good uh Mr. Musashi I gotta get out there for this fight I'm very excited for it I think it's great uh I'm, I wish you guys could have had the rematch with Lovato I think it would have been a hell of a contest but I'm yeah. glad you're getting back out there and um on May 9th SNP SAP Center excuse me in San Jose California you like fighting in the SAP Center yeah it's nice California, San Jose, who doesn't like it? How is the Netherlands these Maybe days? How, how cold is it? Raining, raining. So <laughs> I always enjoy uh, a little bit sun. All I'm right. not going to complain. Yeah. All right. Very good. Well, we missed you. We're glad to see you back in action. Thank you, sir. And we can't wait to see how this fight goes down. Douglas Lima is going to be a hell of a contest May 9th. Thanks for spending some time with us, Gigard. We'll talk soon. No problem. Thank you, sir. The Luke Thomas Show is your one-stop destination for MMA. If you're in a UFC title fight and you get finished in the first round, yo, you lost. Sports. I cheer for loser teams. As well as pop culture and entertainment. No matter what Star Wars comes out, I'll just find a way to like it. No. The Luke Thomas Show, weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern. On your home for combat sports. Sirius XM Fight Nation, Channel 156, and the Sirius XM app. Now included free for most subscribers. It's real out of Sonya won some award. Uh, Cobb, what is this award that he won? I saw you listed in the notes here. Uh, I'm sorry. I have to double-check that real quick. The name is? Sports, he got the Sportsman of the Year Award. Yeah, but he's got a name. Oh, the name is the uh, ISPS Handa Hallberg Award. And I guess he became, for it's, it honors like Kiwi, so New Zealand athletes. And he became the first combat sports athlete to be nominated for a Hallberg Award. And then he won it. I understand. How how can he the, win the it? Whole for name me? The whole name the award show is called the Honda ISPS Honda Hallberg Award Show, and then he won for Sportsman of the Year. Oh, I see, I see. Okay, okay. So the Hallberg Award is not the particular one that he got. Right, it's the whole event. The, yeah. the whole event, and he won Sportsman of the Year, and he became the first combat athlete to be nominated for a particular kind of Hallberg Award. Is that it? Yes. Yep. Got it. Okay. Anyway, I thought he gave this like pretty moving speech. Now, I don't know all the ins and outs of New Zealand. I've never been there. 
But there was something about the way he was speaking that you could just do. There's something different about this guy. So I want to kind of share it with you a little bit. It's short, just a couple of minutes, a few minutes. We'll roll through it, and I'll stop it along the way. But, you know, when people doubt this guy, I'm always like, dude, what is it that you're hearing that I'm not? Because everything I'm hearing tells me this guy's on another level of self-awareness. Not merely confidence, but just sort of understanding himself and his place in the world. Let's see what he has to say. How long do I have? It's the 57th annual Halbergs. It's the first time combat athletes have been nominated. So, you know, I have to do this for the old, the the combat athletes of old. You know, rest in peace, Jimmy Thunder. Who just died. uh, David Tua, Doug Viney sitting right there, Ray Seffo, Joseph Parker, and now Israel Adesanya. See, Kiwis, we love a good one-out, you know I mean? We love a good fight. This is part of the culture. Straight up. I mean, we're a, we're, we're a country of a warrior race, the Modi. This is part of our culture. If a fight broke out right now, what would you all do? You would ignore me and watch the fight. It's in our DNA. And we've been doing this for so long. You guys have no idea. You're just welcome to the party. We've been doing this for so long, like I said. Way back, we've been wearing New Zealand on our back all over the world. We did it twice last year in Australia, UFC 234 and UFC 243. Me and three of my two of my other teammates, we repeat the three-peat. And guess what? Next weekend, we have other people coming to our shores and UFC Auckland, and we're going to defend the land and repeat the three-peat. Understand this. Pause it there. The dude just has a total clarity of purpose a total clarity of um, his position in the world, a nod to the things that make Kiwis who they are, talking about the Maori culture, shouting out the previous elite combat athletes that have come from there, including who just recently died, Jimmy Thunder. Um, He's just, he's so, here's the thing that I don't think people understand about him that I feel like it's something I picked up on right away. And of course, some of you know this as well. Okay, let me restate that. But something that some of us have picked up on right away. He is hyper-aware. Hyper-aware. Hyper-aware of positions. Hyper-aware of his placement in the world. Hyper-aware of what makes things what they are. Hyper-aware of what makes things not what they are. And how it all kind of works together. Keep it going. So for me, this really isn't for me. This is for, like... The, the young generation coming up who, who gets to see someone they can relate to, someone who is of my essence, if you will, a combat athlete that they can feel like, man, my sport, you know, like Muay Thai or Jiu-Jitsu or wrestling is up there with the likes of the All Blacks, the Black Caps and the Tall Blacks and New Zealand's top sporting teams. And we're on the level playing field. And we, like I said, we've been doing this for a long time. So this is for them. And this is for my team, City Kickboxing. This is for my coach, Eugene Behrman, because without him, my career wouldn't be shit. I wouldn't be here. Understand that. And one more thing I got to say. Stop it there. Stop it there. Stop it there. Understand what he's done so far. He has talked about himself, but only in conjunction with his teammates. He has given respect to his elders, and he has talked about how important it is for the next generation to look ahead. He has talked about past, present, and future, but never in an overly self-aggrandizing way. And now he wants to make a statement about and also, but by the way, their placement in all of uh, Kiwi sports, and now he's about to make a statement about Kiwi culture and what needs to change about it. Go ahead. 
Also, shout out to Ash from Engage. I see you, Koba. But one thing we need to do right now, like, I, I need to really say this. Like, New Zealand, we have this, um, oh, I can't, uh, ooh, censorship. Where's the swear jar? Um, now, fuck it. We have this culture. Listen, I'm just serious. We have this culture of tall puppy syndrome, which is messed up. Coming up in this country, I've seen it so many times. When you see one of us rising, you want to tear him down because you feel inadequate and you want to call it humble. I am extraordinarily humble, believe me. But you'll never know that because you never get to know me. Understand this. If you see one of us shining, whether it be the netball team, the black caps, the sailors, pump them up, embrace them. Because if they win, we win. If I win, you win. Understand that. And I know some of you be a little salty. You might clap or you're a little salty, but hey, stay salty, babe. The black kiwi's gonna fly all day. And um, shout out to myself in this mustard color jacket. You know, shout out to the guy with the mustard color face as well. Peace. Who's the guy with the mustard colored face? Was that a Trump dig? That's what I thought, but it's, I mean, he's, you know, he's in New Zealand. Like, do they care that much? I don't know. He's, and he's never been especially political to me. No, but I guess, you know, though, there's, there's that Nigerian ban, which I could see him being a little upset about. Yeah, which they didn't ban travel from, but they banned immigration from. Which, yeah, so maybe that's the reason why he might take it. That's the only thing I can think of, really, for why he'd throw that out there. But, unless there's that, if, but I mean, who's to say it's not some inside Kiwi joke that we don't even know? It might be. For all I know, he's talking about someone who's there at the at the, you know, at the dais. Right, so right, I have no right. idea. But like off the top of my head, I was like, is that a Trump dig? Yeah, it could be. Hard, hard to say. Hard to say. Next time we talk to him, we'll ask him. But I just found that. I found that so... I mean, not the most incredible acceptance speech I've ever heard. I don't mean in that particular way, but that was like, that was like, if you didn't know anything about Israel Adesanya, there's a couple of things you could show to somebody to have them learn. Maybe him walking out before beating Whitaker and that dancing he did. Maybe some of the things he's shown from a flashy perspective inside the octagon. I would show them this. This is a thing I would show them. I keep trying to tell folks this. This guy is clued in to himself his community, his nation, his people, his past, his future, and everyone else around him in a way that people just did not understand at first. And now it is becoming so clear, you just can't, you can't deny it anymore. You cannot ignore it. He understands where he, he's coming from. He understands what makes him what he is. He understands the people and the community that make that possible. He understands where he's headed. He understands himself and his placement in the world. And as a consequence, he can move through it with a lot more ease than most people who are merely drifting and wafting through the air like cigar smoke without a whole lot of purpose uh, or direction than, other than what the other people make them do. Um, as they control it. And I just find that it's, it was, a, I heard this this morning and I was on my phone. I was like, wow, this is a really illuminating way to uh, get a glimpse into who Israel Adesanya is. And it's just a short speech, man, for, you know, doing incredible things. Thanks for listening. Catch the Luke Thomas Show live and in its entirety weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. On Twitter, follow at L Thomas News and the channel at MMA on Sirius XM.